All right, would uh, all the moms, grandmas, and every, everybody who's a mom please stand up right now? We just want to honor you for a second, all right? Let's give these guys a, just a show them our love for them. Thank you for being a godly mom. Thank you so much. You guys can be seated. Well, we are in the second week of this series on Ruth, and uh, we've been learning about Ruth's story and that, so we can understand God's story and really our story. Before we get into the story for today, which will be Ruth's mother-in-law, let's uh, bow our hearts and pray together. Father, thank you for the power of your word to transform our lives, and we pray that your word would do its work in us today, that uh, you might shape us and mold us into the people you want us to be. Remind us today of your great love, the chesed love that you have for us. Father, let that, let that center point of our lives empower us to live for you today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, when Jesus talked to people about himself, he taught from the Old Testament. That's what we learned last week. When he explained who he is and what he is doing or, and was doing in the time when he was on earth, he was using the Old Testament to teach. And so that's what we're doing in this book of Ruth. We're, we're looking at this story and we're saying this is God's story. It's Ruth's story, but it's God's story. And most importantly, and especially today, we will see that it's very much our story. We will relate a lot to the character of Naomi. I love it that Jesus taught this way. And there must be so much for us to learn about him and about God through the Old Testament. Now, last week, we learned some of the words that are connected to these Old Testament stories. The first one is that word for love, which is hesed, or hesed, if you can get that sound in there. Practice it. It's kind of hard. But hesed simply means love. But look at all the dimensions of love, because love is a hard word to describe and chesed especially is difficult and is translated in all these different ways the psalmist says this in psalm 63 3 he says he says because of your chesed i will praise you god as you understand that love you are able to respond in praise because you understand the magnitude of it i think this is what paul had in mind when he wrote in ephesians 3 18 he said this so i pray that you'd have the power to understand how, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God. The dimensions are so big, it's hard for us as human beings to comprehend. And we will see uh, some dimensions of God's love in today's story and in the weeks to come. We also learned the, the word ezer. And ezer is simply the word that says there are helpers in the Bible. The, 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 the Ezra word basically says, look, you need, we need somebody to come alongside of us, to be, to lead us, to chesed, to show us what God's love is all about. And God does that for us individually, and we can do it for others. So a couple of he Hebrew words. Now, in the story today, we don't see much chesed, and we don't see much Azer. It's just not much is there. Because it's the story of Naomi. And it's a story of things going from bad to worse. We'll talk about Ruth's story next week and Boaz's story the week after that. But today it's Naomi. Naomi's name means sweet. 
and pleasant and lovely. And, you know, I was just looking at the graphics for the series. I'm looking at her picture. I'm saying, maybe we could have picked somebody else. <laughs> but you know what? Her life was tough. It was, it was difficult. It was challenging. She went through a lot. So maybe, actually, that's exactly the right face. Because when you go through the kind of things that she's going through or went through, where things go from bad to worse, very stressful... And your face would become very careworn. Today, as we, as we consider her story, I want to begin with the question, have you ever experienced bad to worse? Where, where things have just continued to get worse, to maybe to move from bad to worse to disaster. You know, Humphrey Bogart said it this way. He said, look, he said, things can never be so bad that they can't get worse. Aren't you glad you came to church today on Mother's Day? Let me encourage you with that. It's a difficult idea, but sometimes life is like that, isn't it? It goes from good to bad to worse to even to a disaster. In 2003, I took my family. We went to, we went on a vacation to Mexico. It is, you know, a big trip for us. We hadn't ever been out of the country together as a family. And we got up to the, we got up to the counter, and the gal behind the counter says, do you have your passport? At which time, I'm sure all the blood drained out of my face. Because I did not have those passports. Passports. I did not have them. And, and I thought, what happened? I'm going, oh, wait a minute. They changed the rules after 9-11. That's right. You need a passport now to go to Mexico. What am I going to do? I went out front. I bribed a cab driver to take me 90 miles an hour back to Naperville. I won't even tell you how much that cost. Still didn't get back in time with the passports. Missed our flight. Got delayed. A few um, hours later, we were on a plane. We got to Mexico City, had to make a connection there, couldn't find our gate, running around the airport. It was just falling apart. The whole vacation was coming apart. We finally got to our destination, get down to the baggage carousel. Guess what? No bags. Here we are, ready to vacation in Mexico, but no bags. I can still remember my wife on the phone begging the credit card company, please authorize the charges so we can get this rental car. I'd forgotten to call them and let them know I was going to be out of the country. Talk about messing up. Talk about making some wrong choices, some dumb moves. I was on a roll. <laughs> you know, we finally get to, our, uh, we get to our, our hotel and we open up the suitcases when they came, finally, about a day later, and we'd been ripped off. Everything of value had been taken out of our suitcases. And I thought, man, this is going to end badly. I, I, the headline's going to be, Vacation Goes from Bad to Worse. Naperville Family of Four is missing after a vacation that got off to a rocky start. <laughs> <laughs> it just continued to get bad. I could just see us in the swamps in Mexico or something. I don't know. But that's the way life is, right? Sometimes it moves from bad to worse to disaster. Now, I told you the story about my vacation because we can laugh at that one. That's, that's a pretty easy one, actually. But when this happens to us, it's when, when the diagnosis comes and things move from bad to worse. Or it's when finances blow up and things move from bad to worse. Or marriages get ripped apart. Things move from bad to worse. Or there's an addiction and we can't escape it. We're bound up in chains. Things move from bad to worse. 
What happens when we move from bad to worse? What happens when things, bad things begin to happen in our lives? One of the first things that happens is we begin to move away from God and question Him. Like, why, God? Where are you in the middle of this pain? So we want to learn something from Naomi today. We want to see what happens to her as her life moves from bad to worse. Look at Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. It begins this way. Her story begins. It says, In the days of the judges, the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. So what went bad first was there was a famine. There was no food in the promised land. Now remember that, that the Israelites went into the promised land with the promise that everything was going to be good. And they go there, and now they have a famine. No food. What would you do with two young sons? I don't know about you, but I probably would go to find food. I would try to do what was right in my own eyes. I'd try to fix the problem. We are introduced to the characters by name. The man's name, Naomi's husband, is Elimelech. Naomi, of course, the wife, and the names of his two sons, Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. And they went into the country of Moab and remained there. In other words, they moved there. They moved away from the promised land. They left the promised land, outside of the promised land, and they went someplace else. If you just think about that, I mean, that seems right because they needed the food, but was it right? Well, let's see some hints from their names. To begin with, last week we learned that this time of the judges, this time that we're studying, the time of the judges was a time where there was no king in Israel. And what did people do? A key idea. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And the result was disaster. Things went from bad to worse. Why? Because they're not following the king. They said, well, wait a minute, they didn't have a king. Yes, they did. Yes, they did have a king. And how do I know that? Do you know Elimelech's name actually means who is king? God is king. And they had plenty of instruction from God. And one of the instructions that he gave them was simply, you don't go and associate with the Moabites. They're pagans. Don't go there. It's not good for you. Read it in Deuteronomy 23. Very strict prohibition about going to Moab. And yet they did it. They did what was right in their own eyes. Now, remember, they're living in the promised land. And Bethlehem, in particular, was known for its grain. It's a house of bread. And so the promise was there, but the promise wasn't being delivered right when people thought it should be. And so they took things into their own hands and did what was right in their eyes. Of course, they didn't want to die of starvation. They didn't want their children to die of starvation. It seemed like the right thing to do. The Ephrathite name also means fruitful. That was the clan they were a part of. That's what they expected. That was the promise of God. What do we do when God promises us something and it, it doesn't appear to show up? What do we do? We take matters into our own hands. And sometimes things don't turn out well. What was the result for Naomi? When they got there, after they got there, Elimelech dies. Elimelech dies, and now she is there with her sons, and they are her safety net. In that society, it was expected that men took care of women. And uh, the, the, basically, the son's job now, take care of mom. 
Okay, so the sons grow up, and what do they do? They marry Moabite women. And now they have Moabites in their family. Now, what would you do if you were Naomi in that situation? I know what I'd do. I'd try to be inclusive and love these two girls, right? I mean, wouldn't you do that? But wait a minute. God said, no Moabites here, okay? And so she would have wrestled with that. They lived together for 10 years, and here's the thing. No kids. The fruitfulness of their clan, the promise of their name was not being seen. No children. What happens next? The sons die. And so now, Naomi's situation is disastrous. It's moved from bad to worse to to a disaster. And what happens in her heart is interesting because now she says, look, God, why are you doing this? She begins to question God. Now, God doesn't leave her in that pain and suffering without hope. Even though this has happened, even though she's in a very difficult spot, even though she and her husband somehow or another probably made that decision, I mean, they're the ones that went to Moab. God's not going to leave her there. And he begins to give her some rays of hope. And we see this. She arose with her daughters-in-law to return to from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab, she was working as a farmer, that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Back to Bethlehem she wants to go. She'd heard there's a ray of hope. Maybe if I go back there, something could happen where somebody would take care of me, somebody would support me, somebody would be my safety net. As a woman in a man's world, a patriarchal society, And so she goes back, and only one of the daughter-in-laws goes the whole journey. We'll learn about that next week. It's Ruth, of course. And the two of them go back, and when they get back to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred up because of them. And they wouldn't say, wait a minute, who are these people? It looks a little like Naomi, but she looks different. She's got a Moabite woman with her. And they they say, wait a minute, is, is this Naomi? I guess the lesson there for us is sometimes when you live away from what God has promised long enough, it changes you, doesn't it? Doesn't it change you? You might look a little different if you live away from God's promises because stuff happens. And she said to them, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Naomi means sweet. She says, I'm, I'm Mara that, because the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. What is she doing? She's blaming God. She's saying, why, God, did you do this to me? She goes on and says this. She says, look, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Whose fault is it in Naomi's mind? It's God's. You and I, we do the same thing, don't we? When things go bad, we ask the question, where are you, God? Why me? Why did this happen? She is in pain. That that reaction is completely understandable. I do it. I bet you do too. I begin to ask why. Where are you, God, in the middle of this disaster when things go from bad to worse to disaster? Where are you? And he seems so cold and and distant and, and, and unavailable in those moments. So we have to ask the question, why that Naomi would believe that? And the answer is simply because pain. Pain obscures who God is and what he he wants to do in our lives. His love for us, 
It's difficult. And you know who's, who's doing that messaging? You know who's telling you those things? Satan. Because he sees this as a unique opportunity to separate you from the love of God. Even though God hasn't moved, that's what Satan does. He did it to Job. Go read the story. Got him to question, ultimately, that God loves him and cares for him, even in the middle of a bad choice, which we all make. None of us are perfect, even in the middle of disaster. This happens. We have to just be careful because in the middle of, of difficulty, sometimes we begin to respond and do what's right in our eyes instead of seeking God. And sometimes that can make things a lot worse. <laughs> Give you a minute to let that cartoon sink in, right? Sometimes it can make things a lot worse. We think that God doesn't love us as things begin to go bad, and we begin to act and respond instead of saying, I know God is true, and his promises are real, and he is already doing something, has already done something through Christ. He has not abandoned me. It's a funny cartoon. I think it's actually inspired by an actual event in Mexico. Nowhere near where the beach where we stayed, by the way. There was a prison where prisoners dug out, and they dug a tunnel out and came up right in the very courtroom where they were convicted. <laughs> Can you imagine how they felt about going from bad to worse? They were all sent back to prison. That's a true story. You can Google it. It's all true right on the Internet. That is a true story. But oftentimes what we do, we do stuff like that, and we, we say, you know, I'm going to do what's right in my eyes instead of seeking a king, our king, Jesus, who we know has a plan for our lives, and we do something, and then we blame him. Mark Twain said it this way, God is the most popular scapegoat for our sins. And then after, it, after the consequences come, you know, well, why God? Why'd you do that? God's going, wait a minute. Remember who decided to go to Moab? And we do it all kinds of areas of our lives with our finances, with our relationships, with our sexuality. We follow our own. We, we do what's right in our eyes. We don't follow God's eyes. We don't follow his desires for our hearts. Here's the amazing news, though, that even in the middle of that, he still loves us. But Satan would want to use that moment to separate us. He'd want to use that moment to accuse you of doing something wrong, which, of course, we've done. But God's saying, no, 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 you don't understand chesed. I love you anyway. Now, we have to be honest about why bad things happen. We need to talk about that for just a minute because not everything that happens bad in our lives, not every situation that goes bad is because just of our choices. It's not that way, but that is one reason why it happens. That's the one that this story has, I've been using to illustrate. But also, you know what? The other thing that happens is that people make choices, and it hurts us, causes our lives to go from bad to worse. I mean, I, I, it was my choice that ruined our vacation, not my kids, but they suffered. It was the choice of somebody that stole our, our good stuff in our luggage. You know, they, they, somebody made that choice. But there's a third reason why, and this is so important. There's a third reason why, because I can't tell you why some bad things happen. We simply don't know. We just know we live in a sinful, fallen world, and it has corrupted everything you can imagine. And as a result, we live in a situation where things can go from bad to worse, to disaster. 
Now, the good news is, is that God says, look, I am with you always, even no matter what the cause. And, and he especially wants to know when you screw up, especially then he's still there. Because Satan would want to use that to separate you from his love, from God's love. See, we know this from Scripture because, look, what did God do? God created everything good, right? He didn't create evil. He created good. That's what Genesis tells us. He created good, and everything was good. And then what happened? Sin entered into the world. People began to do what was right in their own eyes. And everything else has been corrupted. And as a result, people get sick. And they, there's weather happenings and accidents, all kinds of problems. But that wasn't God's doing. That's because sin has corrupted the world. And, and what God wants us to know is that, that even in the midst of those messes, even in the midst, midst of those disasters, that he can take everything and make it work for, for good. That he can give us a, a plan a future, a hope for our lives, that he can straighten it back out, that he can redirect us even though we're off course. He says, look, I got this. Don't separate me from me in this time of pain and difficulty, but lean into me. Love, let me love you with my chesed kind of love. And he promises to, to do just what I said, to make things work together for good. If we love him, if we stay with him, he's there for us. He promises this is real. This is what chesed means. And he says, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. I'm here for you. I'm here for you in the middle of this pain. I want you to know that. That's what we learn from this story of Ruth. This beginning character, we, we know that Naomi's going through some tough stuff. We know that somebody made the choice to go to Moab, whether it was her or her husband or together they made it. They knew they weren't supposed to. And even with that difficulty, God is going to rescue her. Going to send rays of hope to her. The first one has already come. There's food in Bethlehem. Come back. I'm calling you back to the promised land. And he's calling every one of us back to him. Back to the promises of Jesus. Back to the promises of the word. That's what he's doing. He wants us to do. And, and he's going he's gonna to show us his loving kindness, his chesed. And he's going he's gonna to have an azer. He's going to have helpers around that can help us find our way back. That's what we learn from Naomi's story. And I don't want to leave you without hope. I, don't want, to, I want to fast forward the story just a little bit. I want to give you a hint about what we're going to talk about next week. Because one of the things that Naomi has forgotten about is that there's a, there's a kinsman in Bethlehem. A kinsman that's going to redeem her life. And his name's Boaz. She's kind of forgotten all about him. But she finds out, and then she begins to praise God and ask for blessings for Boaz. It says, Blessed, uh, uh, may he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or dead. The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. That's what they called a kinsman who would, who would step in after the death of a male and say, I'm going to take care of the wife and family. And, of course, we know that who our kinsman redeemer is, don't we? Who stepped in to save us, rescue us from our mess? It's Jesus Christ. We have a redeemer, and he lives, and he reigns, and he loves you, and he loves me. And we can depend on that love. You know, uh, I bet you know some people that maybe are under a cloud, 
we all are at one time or another. That's a picture of us. You know, we, we use Eeyore as a story around here, you know, because Eeyore's waiting around to be rescued, right? There are people you know that are waiting around to be rescued right now. They're in pain. They're in difficulty. They don't believe that God loves them. They may even be cursing God because of the stuff, tough stuff that's going on in their life. It's our opportunity to come along as an azer, a helper, and encourage them. If you're that person this morning, don't leave here. Do not leave here until you get some encouragement. I'm going to ask the prayer partners to be ready in the corners of the room under the banners during communion. Go for prayer. Let them be your azer. But this week, as you go through life, if you sense and encounter people that might have this kind of pain going on in their lives, I, I want to encourage you to be, to be an azer. Be a helper. Be an encourager. Point people to the love of Christ. Know that you've received it and help guide and direct other people toward it. You can do that. We can do that together. Pray for the power and strength to do that. You know, it's appropriate that we're talking about this on Mother's Day because moms are an example. Godly moms are an example of that chesed kind of love, that giving sacrificial love. They lead us to God. They give us a picture of God's mercy and grace. They're helpers, our azers. And so moms, thank you again for doing that. Make sure and take time for yourself today to experience God's love so that you can give it. I want to encourage everyone to pray for our moms and for all of those who are going through, through difficult situations that you might encounter this week. Just pray for moms for strength because they face it with their kids every day. Difficulty, challenges, it's hard work. We are so blessed to know that we have a Redeemer that lives. That's rescued us. That gives us chesed love freely, even when we make the wrong choices, especially when we make the wrong choices. Let's thank him and praise him for that amazing gift of his love. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that you love us so much. We can't even comprehend the amount of love you have. It's the dimensions are just not something a human mind can wrap, get wrapped around. We pray that that overwhelming love of Christ would, would penetrate our hearts and minds today, that we'd know that you love us even when we make the wrong choices. That you're ready to guide us and encourage us and, and, and lead our lives and, and love us and care for us and that you have a future and a hope and that you can make things work out for good in our lives. Father, thank you for those promises. Help us to live in those promises. Strengthen us with those promises today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for spending some time in God's Word with us during this message. It was recorded live in worship at Trinity Church in Lyle, Illinois, where God is leading us on our mission to look, live, and love more like Jesus. Would you like to know more about a relationship with Christ? Or more about Trinity, who we are, what we believe, and where and when you might join us in worship or a growth group? please visit our website at tlc4u.org. That's the letters T, L, C, the number four, and the letter U, dot org. May God bless you and yours abundantly through Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening.